So uh, this week, um, I was in 2 Kings chapter 5 on Monday and Tuesday. I was wrestling with it and reading it and just being like, blown away by it. Just an amazing story of God's healing, of God coming through. And uh, on Wednesday morning, we went for a session with Jockey. And I was sharing him about, this, about the story of, of 2 Kings and what the Lord was saying to me in that. And he's got a book by Jonathan Kahn, and uh, it's a daily devotions. And the daily devotion for that day mentioned that very scripture. And so I thought, well, I've got to preach on it. And so let's read. We're going to read uh, uh, about 16 verses from 2 Kings. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of, of Syria, was a great man with his master and in high favor, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Now the Syrians on one of their raids had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel, and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria. He would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his Lord. Thus and so spoke the girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go now, go now and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he went with, he went taking with him, Ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, ten changes of clothing. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent you Naaman, my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and make alive? That this man sends word to me to cure a man of, of his leprosy? Only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come to me, that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel." So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a message to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored and you shall be clean. But Naaman was angry and went away saying, Behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord, and wave his hand over the place, and cure the leper. Are not Abna and Papa, the rivers of Damascus, much better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned away in his rage. But his servant came near and said to him, My father... It is, a great word. it is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you do it? 
has he actually said to you, wash and be clean? So he, when, he, when he went down, he dipped himself, himself seven times in the Jordan according to the word of the man of God and his flesh was restored like that of a little child and he was clean. Then he returned to the man of God and he said, and all his company and came and stood before him and he said, Behold, I know there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. So accept now a present from your servant. And there's a whole long story about that. You can go and read that the, the, rest, of the rest of the chapter later on in the week. I love the stories of the Old Testament. They're just, in, they're just incredible. They speak of life and I, I love stories because I can remember the story. And so we have this uh, Syrian general who, who goes to Israel for help. It's incredible that he, he's, he's this man of, he's, a, he's the commander, he's a valiant soldier, he's the field marshal, marshal, he has a reputation, he's successful, he's wealthy. He has everything you and I would want in terms of material possessions. And yet it says there, but he had leprosy. But he had leprosy. And so, in the, in the journeys and in the, in the fighting and in the battles, the, there's this, this young girl. And they reckon, they reckon she's somewhere between 10 and 12. In one of the raids which he had been successful in, which Naaman had been successful in, he brought home, and as was the custom of the day, they would take uh, people to be their servants. They, whoever they'd beaten up now became their slaves. And this young girl was a slave of Naaman's wife. Worked for her. And just to sort of, Zelani read a scripture right in the beginning. May we have the same attitude that Christ had. Let's have a look at the attitude of this young girl. So now she suddenly discovers that her, her uh, boss has got leprosy. And she thinks, oh, I've been taken away from, from my family. Maybe her family was killed in the raid. I don't know. It doesn't say that. But she had been taken away. Most people would have the attitude, good, he deserves the disease. May another finger fall off. May, may his toes drop off. That might have been, sometimes we, we, we want to take revenge. But she had a, an attitude, she had the attitude of Christ. And what, so what did she say? She said, uh, Would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. So she wanted healing for her Lord, for her master, for her slave master. She wanted healing. That's a good attitude. And so... Naaman gets to hear about it and now the protocol of the day, he goes to his king and his king gives them, gets a letter signed and, and, and they're they going to go to Israel and they're going to go to the king of Israel. And he comes with a lot of provision. What does it say? How much does it say? I, it's a, taking him with him 10, ten talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold 
and ten changes of clothing. So he comes with a lot of stuff. He comes with a peace offering. He comes with, with, the, with a, I'm going I'm to buy my salvation. I'm going to buy my healing. And so he comes to the king of Israel. And he's going through the correct channels of the day. But he doesn't understand that, that Israel is, works in a kind of slightly different system. And so when he comes to the king, the king is a bit perturbed. The king says, uh, let's have a look at verse, uh, verse 7. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes. Am I, am I God to kill and to make alive that this man sends word to me to cure a man of leprosy? So he thinks that this is a setup. There's a setup happening here. And there's going to be an excuse now for, 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 a, for a war. And so he tears his garments and says, I can't do this. I can't do this. And so fortunately Elisha gets to hear about it and says, send him to me. So just have a look at this Naaman. In, in Syria where he lived, he was, he had everything he needed and he, all the best doctors and all the best physicians and all the best, and, and, they, and he couldn't be healed. He had power, he had, he had wealth, he had everything. And the first thing that Naaman needed to realize is that his power, his wealth, is not sufficient. Your power, my wealth, the stuff that we have, we, we, we need a Savior. We need Jesus. And so where do we turn to when things go wrong? Where do we turn to when there's been relational betrayal? Where do we turn to when... when we get a diagnosis of ill health or, or something goes wrong at work and there's a financial disaster. Where do we turn to? Do we turn to the prophet? Do we turn to God? Do we turn to, to, to Jesus? There's a good point when we realize that without Him, we have nothing. When you suddenly realize that in actual fact you're not in control of your life where you come to the end of your illusion of self-sufficiency, where I'm self-sufficient, I can do it. Because that's when you can turn to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so Naaman had all these connections, he had everything, but it did not help him. He was at the end of his rope. And so he listened to a little girl. He listened to her word. He said, I know a person who would, who would heal you. And so he still hasn't learned his lesson because he goes with all uh, gifts and, and he's trying to buy his, buy his salvation. He's trying to buy his healing. And so he's looking for his healing. He's desperate for healing. 
this skin disease, this leprosy. He's desperate for it. But even in his, his desperateness for that, there's something like there's a greater need in his life. He comes from, from Syria, there's no relationship with, the, with, with, with God. And so he comes to the, uh, to the prophet for life. We need to come to Jesus for life. Where can you find life? You can only find it in Jesus. Only the blood of Jesus can cleanse us from all sin. And our greatest need is not healing. Our greatest need is forgiveness of sin. And that's what Jesus has done on the cross. He has forgiven your sin and my sin. But we have to come to Him. We have to come to the, to the preacher, to the revealer of the truth, to the prophet as Naaman did. We have to come to Jesus. And so as he comes to, the, to Jesus and to, to, the, to, Na, to Elisha, let's have a look and see what happens. He comes to the house of Elisha and he stands at the door. And the door opens. And a servant comes out. And he says to Naaman, says, see the Jordan over there? Just go, dunk yourself seven times and you will be healed. Yeah, is this, uh, the, the equivalent of the, some of the commentaries and reading it, Naaman, who's the equivalent of the, the king's right-hand man, the field marshal, uh, he, he's, a, he's a powerful man, and here some little servant comes out and just says, go and wash in, in the river. And so, and so he is really bleak. He's really bleak. He's angry. He's, he says, don't I deserve something more than, more than that? You know, don't I deserve to do something amazing? But again, he, the, the Lord has taken him from, uh, through this chapter. The first thing is with a little girl who spoke the word. Secondly, it's, it's the prophet's servant who spoke the word. And so he had to humble himself. But he wasn't going to. He was angry. He was really angry. And, he, and, his, and, and his servant said to him, <clears throat> in fact, he says in verse 11, let's go to verse 11, but Naaman was angry and went away saying, Behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of his, of his God and wave his hands all over the place, that he would do some amazing things. But what Elisha was trying to, trying to show him, he was trying to say, this is not about the man of God. This is not about some fancy river. He didn't say go back to your river in, uh, in, in Syria, those funny names, those river names. He didn't say go back there. He said go to the Jordan, which was, uh, uh, in comparison to those rivers, was a crummy little river. Full of mud, and you know, so he, he was, uh, he, he didn't want to do that. He didn't want to do that. 
And so the story is just, it's just so beautiful again. The Naaman, again, the, his servants say to him, Surely if the prophet has asked you to do some amazing feat, something amazing, uh, you would have done it. But because he asked you to do this little insignificant thing, just to go and jump in the river, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And then he's clean, he's healed. Hey, that's that funny little thing to dunk yourself seven times. He was angry about that. So I think somewhere along, I'm getting confused in timelines, but Daryl and, and Jockey preached on if my people humble themselves and pray and repent. <coughs> Let me take some water. And repent and He will heal our land. There's a, there's a humility. There's a humility when we come to Jesus. We, don't, we come to Him with all our stuff, with all our baggage, with all our sin, and we come to the cross, the simple cross. At the cross we are all equal. It doesn't matter whether you've got 17 gazillion or you've got 50 cents in your pocket. At the cross we are all equal. And so, after a few things, eventually Naaman agrees and goes to the Goes to the river. And what does he do? He gets in the water seven times and he is healed. He is healed. His flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child and he was clean. He had beautiful, beautiful flesh. He didn't need any Estee Lauder foundation or cleanser or any of that kind of stuff. This was the God's, God's healing. And so, we read in the New Testament a lot about signs and wonders following the work of the preaching of the gospel of good news. We see signs and wonders and this sign that happens here, this miracle that happens here, what does it do? It points to a, a God who is alive. It points to a God who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It points to, it's not the healing that's important, or, or, although it is, it's lovely to be healed. But it, many people come to Jesus and actually get healed, but then actually walk away and don't ever follow Him. That's not the case with Naaman. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. Verse 15, Then he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and came and stood before him. And he said, Behold, I know that there is no God in all earth but in Israel. So, now, so except now a present from his servant. The best miracle that happened on that day was not the healing, although that was fantastic. The best miracle of the day was that Naaman knew that the God was the king of was the God of all gods. He was the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he came to the realization of that and he and he went back to his to his place, when he went back, he was, he was going to worship him. That was, that's an, it's an amazing story. 
So, his relationship with God was changed because of the miracle. If you remember in Mark chapter 2, there is a, a paralyzed man who is brought to Jesus' feet and they were struggling because there was, the crowd was too crowded, there was no room, there's plenty of seats here. People can come in quite easily. We, we need to ask the Lord to add seats here. More people who love Jesus, who know Jesus, and get to know Jesus. But there's no room in this, in this situation, so they break the roof. They're desperate. They know that He needs healing. And Jesus is the one that can heal. And so He gets less down, down the roof. And what does Jesus say? He says, your, sons, your sins are forgiven. That's not the right, the right prayer, is it? Your sins are forgiven. He wants healing. And, but then, he, of course, he says, take up your bed and walk, and he, and, he, and he walks. But the first thing you and I need is we need our sins to be forgiven. So there's two things you and I need. We need forgiveness and we need to know that we can't earn it. We need healing and we can't earn it. There's nothing we can do except come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. And it might be just in simple obedience to the Word, to the Word of the Lord, to obey the Word of the Lord, whatever He says to you through the Word, as we're reading, as we, as we meditate on, on these Scriptures, and as the Scripture speaks to us, as I've been preaching this morning, hope there, hopefully the Lord has spoken to you, asking, I'm asking Holy Spirit just to cement what He said to you today. Listen to what the little girl says. Be vulnerable. Humble yourself. When we do that, we encounter Jesus. So, let's pray. Holy Spirit, show us. Show us Jesus in the story. May we turn to Jesus. Wherever you find yourself this morning, whatever your need is, It's the name of Jesus. It's who Jesus is that brings healing, that brings revelation, that brings life. And so I bless us as a community. I bless us. 
that as we come and experience your grace and your mercy, that our lives would be transformed and changed. And we would have an attitude of that little girl in which all she sought was healing and health of her master. So may we have the mind of Christ, the attitude of Christ. Thank you, Lord. Amen.